0: Welcome to SOCKS. Hello and welcome to SOCKS, so-called strangers. My name is Christine and I have called strangers to find out what we have in common.
1: Where your fear is, there is your task. You have to work on it.
0: Where your fear is, there is your task. You have to work on it. The stranger I'm meeting today is Mahdi. He's 26 and from Iran. Mahdi is from a village near Ardabil in the north of the country near the border to Azerbaijan, where his parents grow fruit. He had to work and take responsibility for his family at a young age. Mahdi studied law and has received high honors. He has also had an amazing career in sports and in the military. Early on, he pursued his ambitious goals and has yet become a very thoughtful young man with many interests. I was very impressed and hope you too will enjoy our conversation. We meet on Zoom, so I'm welcomed by a wide smile and straight away after his friendly hello, Marty invites me to see his home. He shows me the books that are important to him, like Dostoevsky, Faulkner and Steinbeck. He tells me later that it is just as important to him to read works of globally renowned authors as it is to train at the highest level for his combat sport. Consequently, there are sport certificates next to the bookshelf for national competitions in karate and wrestling. He's currently training mostly for belt wrestling. Belt wrestling is in fact one of the oldest sports, some 4,000 years old. The wrestlers, while trying to take each other down, must hold on to the opponent's belt. Mahdi switched to belt wrestling because it may take him to the Olympic Games one day. What an interesting mix, I think. Fitness, and competition are so important to him. And at the same time, he talks so passionately about his favorite authors.
1: From Rumi, yes, says, "Har chiz ke dar Oni, ani ani, whatever you seek, you are that. Mm. You know, he says, if if you are seeking knowledge, uh, you will get it, and you will be knowledgeable." Uh, if you want to be a, a great champion, you will try for that and after a while you will be a champion. You know, uh, if you seek, and in contrary, if you seek uh, to be a bad man, to say lie to other to cheat people, you will be that after a while. And yes. Madi radiates a lot of
0: energy but not of the restless kind, rather one that is based on unlimited determination. And I wonder where he gets this energy. He shows me a poster with a saying of Rumi, the great 13th century Persian poet. It means, whatever you pursue, you will become. Another poster suggests, your life is like a tree. If the fruit of this tree is knowledge, you can do whatever you want in the world. This one is by Narsia Khosrov, who lived a thousand years ago. He was a scientist, poet, and missionary in Persia. His travel documentary, called Safar Nama, is still today on all Iranian school book lists. Oh, honestly, I cannot even think of One ancient poet, let alone a quote, that I would consider meaningful for my present.
1: You know, I love this because I believe in it. And uh, yes, I love knowledge.
0: Mahdi stresses how important these lines are for him because they don't imply power nor money nor strength as a life goal. Knowledge. Knowledge. I love knowledge, he says. I couldn't quite imagine in the beginning if he and I would find something to talk about that we have in common. But here it is. The joy of learning something new. That's something I can totally relate to.
1: These are candlesticks. Can you see them? Yes. Uh, uh, Have you ever read the... uh, uh, Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables. Which Miserable. one? Which one? Miser- Miserables.
0: No, I don't know the book. No, Les Miserables.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, in the in the novel, yes. The most important part is that when the when a pastor uh, give the candlestick to a to a fifth person. And it's very inspiring. You have to read the book.
0: Next to other novels from various countries like Fitzgerald, Hesse, Hemingway, Camus, are two candle holders, which remind Marie of the key scene in Les Miserables. Um, that's a bit embarrassing now, as I never read Victor Hugo's book. I only know the musical. And by all means, I cannot remember the significance of those candles. So I do some research later and this is what I find. Around the year 1815 an ex-convict is offered shelter for the night by a charitable pastor. He steals the pastor's silverware and flees. When caught by the police the pastor not only tells them that the silverware was a gift but adds two candle holders on top. The thief repents and commits to spend the rest of his life as kind and gracious as the pastor. That's the story of Les Miserables. Mahdi suggests that I eventually read the book as it had a deep impact on him. It's a symbol of forgiveness, he says. Everyone can change. I love this idea. Now, while I'm already researching, I also read up about Albert Schweitzer, the scientist, pacifist, and great mind. He is Mahdi's role model. Schweitzer combines Mahdi's joy in knowledge with his belief in a peaceful world. Therefore, Schweitzer is also part of a collage, which Mahdi made, and which is dedicated to peace. It includes a saying of Hafiz, probably the best-known Persian poet from the 14th century. This one means, since your cup is full, give others to drink and then drink yourself. I love this one, Mahdi says. When you're healthy, enjoy life and donate blood. When you have money, enjoy it and give some to others. When you know something, use it yourself and teach others. This poem is used in all fields, and it inspires me," he says. Next to this piece collage, there's a photo of Mahdi's other idol, Kholam Reza Tahdi, who died more than fifty years ago, but he's still honored as one of the best Iranian wrestlers of all time. These are my role models," Mahdi says. Schweitzer for my life, and Tahti For my sport. (sighs) So while I'm pondering, isn't it just great that he has two such different role models and did I have any role models at his age? Madi is already showing me his work schedule. It's a whiteboard on which he notes everything important to do for the month. At this point, it doesn't surprise me that his schedule is headed by a monthly mantra. The current one being, Where your fear is, there is your task. You have to work on it. Well, I'm getting a bit dizzy here. Madi, he attends English lessons. He runs and does one or two training units at the gym daily. He works as a tourist guide. Goes twice a week to the mountains to explore hiking routes. He serves in high schools as a sport coach. Helps on the family farm. Has half a dozen teaching certificates. And he reads a lot.
1: What a schedule.
0: I cannot imagine that there is much time left for a social life.
1: And I chose this, this kind of life for myself.
0: I asked Mahdi if he feels often alone. He confirms yes. And it's sometimes hard, he says. But he doesn't consider himself lonely. He rather focuses on spending his time wisely. He says he doesn't have time to waste and he keeps his circle of friends small. And he calls himself an extrovert. Hang on. I need to pause. He's often alone. And extroverted? Isn't that a contradiction? I guess not. Actually, it's a nice description. You can be okay by yourself while you just as well and easily approach other people. I can see myself there, too. But I don't have 3,000 followers on social media, as Marty has. He doesn't consider them friends, though. They're followers. Obviously, social media is widely used in Iran, and Marty shows me amazing photos and clips from his village, his beautiful country, his daily life and his workouts. At the same time, he suggests I read Sadi, another Iranian household name. The poet Sadi lived 800 years ago in Shiraz and Mahdi uses one of his sayings in his storyline to promote blood donation. Easily bridging hundreds of years of meaningful ideas. Speaking of workout, Mahdi also belongs to a Sikhani. Literally, that's a powerhouse. Where men have practiced combat sports in connection with spiritual practices for a thousand years. This guy seems to be in touch with ancient roots and modern communication tools at the same time and it looks as if all aspects of his life are equally important to him. He's not into money and cars, though. He considers himself a spiritual person. What good is a house with 20 room, he asks, when you can only sleep in one. Madi has come a long way from his rural childhood. I, personally, I started under the best conditions, which I always took for granted. So I can hardly imagine how you can find an exit out of demanding circumstances All by yourself. For Madi, as he said in the beginning, it was knowledge. Education was the key to pursue his own way. He was the first in his family with a higher education and an academic career. He mentions rather casually that he has also supported his mother to finish her school education. She's now taking high school classes. I do not hear any complaint or sorrow in his voice. Mahdi says, I chose this life for me. He calls it a life of self-motivation. And when he feels that he needs to refuel his tank, he reminds himself of his goal. He's optimistic that he will achieve it. Energy and optimism. That's what I see in Mahdi. Endless energy and optimism. He sends me photos of the time he volunteered after an earthquake in Kermanshah. He collected debris, oversaw the distribution of food, and eventually he was in charge of the commander's office. All you see in the photos is devastation, only a window and a door leading into nothing. Guess what is Mahdi's comment? He says, if you look closely, these photos are full of hope. A window to the sky. For his dream, his goal, Mahdi puts all his eggs in one basket. As he was one of the best students of his year, he would be allowed into any master program in Iran, but he wants to study and get a PhD abroad. This is not impossible, provided he meets certain requirements to obtain an exit visa one of them having successfully passed army duty. That's already ticked off. His former student buddies, who are already working as lawyers, don't understand why he spends so much time to get out of the country. They laugh at him, he says. It's stressful. But he fights for his dream. It's important for him to repeat that he would eventually return to live and work in Iran. I'm coming back, he says. He wants to be an inspiration for younger people.
1: It's very, very hard. It's I'm, very hard to be self motivated and, and fight alone in your life for a very long time. But, but I'm, I'm an optimistic to the future. And, and I, I, I hope that it's worth going past.
0: Marty has experienced setbacks. He completed a training camp for a national sport competition. He was the best, but in the end he was not chosen to participate in the event. I was very sad, he says, and I can tell that he's still disappointed. He gave it his all, and it took him a while to realize that he couldn't fight the trainer's decision. So it's time for yet another Rumi quote. This time, it's a conversation between Rumi and Shams, Rumi's spiritual teacher. It's like this. Rumi asks Shams, what wounds are good for? And Shams answers, the wound is the spot where the light enters you. And sure enough, Marty smiles at the idea that a disappointing experience of unfairness has probably made him even stronger. They say there is a blessing in disguise. He smiles. But maybe, he then considers, there is no blessing after all. And God is crying too, because of the unfairness. Yes, man, I think. Sometimes a bad situation is just a bad situation. But Mahdi, he's already smiling again. You know what? After this, I just worked harder. While we're chatting away, Mahdi sips on his coffee. We have to laugh because he doesn't fit into my picture of always tea drinking Iranians. I tell him how I imagine the tea ceremony the usual welcome in every Iranian house. But Mahdi says, no, that's only an old tradition for older people. His guests get offered whatever they want to drink. I don't like to let go of my idealistic tea cliche. But Mahdi says, no, it's just like in Germany now, where you all offer coffee as a welcome. Hmm, I'm not sure. I need to contemplate if we too have some sort of welcome tradition. And as we're talking about drinks, I need to ask Miley about his favorite food and of course he surprises me once again. As he's doing sports on such a high level, he has a clearly defined nutrition plan which he follows religiously. He calculates his daily protein intake and he cannot remember when he last had a soda or Yuk fries. His sister, who has long working hours and enjoys fast food every now and then, and he, therefore, hardly ever eat together. My mother is a good cook, he says. She aces all traditional recipes like stews and rice platters. She just sent him two crates of ripe grapes. In one crate, the grapes are beautiful, perfectly shaped. The bundles are bigger than Marty Sand. He will give these to his friends. In the other crate, the fruits are just as gold and round and sweet, but he will eat those himself, as they are not perfectly shaped. It would be considered impolite to give something imperfect. This is just one of the many cultural details in the everyday Iranian communication. Another one is tarof, the very complicated way of interacting. It's basically um, a socially accepted game where people tell each other white lies like um, please come in. I'm so happy to see you while you have no intention to see anyone. And the guest at the door would reply, I don't want to disturb you. Are you sure I may come in? And then your answer would be, Though, although you don't mean it, of course, there's no better moment. Come in and the guest would say, I can come back another time. Are you sure? And so forth, in rounds and rounds and rounds. Very complicated to understand for a foreigner. But it's a no-brainer for Iranians. Galloping inflation has seen prices for food skyrocketing in Iran. Mahdi tells me that fewer and fewer people can afford to eat meat. They replace lamb and beef with chicken. Now even chicken is hardly affordable. I'm surprised how much more expensive everything gets overnight. Milk costs now seven times as much as some years ago, he says. To compare, the milk now costs ten times as much as a metro ride across the city of Tehran. Mehdi's budget for food has doubled in only recent months, and he can't really plan for the future. He's obviously annoyed that he cannot better control his costs of living. Does machti like to be in control in general? Yeah, he says, but it isn't easy, he admits. When you want to achieve something and everyone wants to achieve something, success, knowledge, whatever, it's most important to realize what you are willing to sacrifice for that goal, for that dream.
1: I try to sacrifice some little joys to, to a bigger joy.
0: He explains... I would like to stay up late, but I go to bed early. I would like to sleep in, but I get up early. I sacrifice little joys for a bigger joy. I'm really grateful that Mahni opened up to me. I feel as if we had actually met in person and I hope you too will remember some of his amazing life. I personally will take with me his motto of the month. Where your fear is, there's your task. You have to work on it. Many thanks, Mahdi, for allowing me this glimpse into your life, for being so open and for having the courage to talk about your challenges. Your energy and determination will help you realize many dreams. I would love to talk again to you. Don't be a stranger.
1: Good. Have a good day. You too. Bye, Mahdi. Be careful. Bye bye. You too. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: This was Socks, So Called Strangers. I hope you enjoyed the episode. A transcript in English and German and photos of all episodes can be found at socalledstrangers.de. For questions or comments, please contact me at socalledstranger. One stranger at gmx.net Don't be a stranger.